Welcome, everyone, to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. It's been my honor to be the Bible teacher for this ministry for over 20 years. We rejoice to be able to come to you every weekday. This is a program of the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. Our focus is to equip and engage Christians around the world in evangelism, discipleship, and church planting, and we've been at it for over 30 years now. We're blessed that God has been willing to use us to play a part in proclaiming Christ to the nations. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org or about our local fellowship by going to breadoflifeboise.org. In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, our Lord Jesus gives the parable of slaves bankrolled with great riches, talents, it says, from their master under the instruction to invest them in his affairs. It's a parable meant to illustrate the call of God that his people should be committed to the family business, the business of proclaiming the gospel, of bringing people to Christ, of growing up people in Christ. That's the business we are to be about. This analogy and the story basically helps us kind of identify something I think all of us have felt at times. We can identify with that. He got five talents, I only got one, right? They have more abilities, I have less. Or I've got two talents, at least, at least I've got a little bit more than this person has, or whatever it is. And don't be confused by the amounts that are being discussed here, by the way. It could have just been easily told that the one with one talent gained one talent more, and the one with five talents buried it. The story is really not to be about who has more and who has less. It's about what you do with what God gives you. What you do with and how you use the resources that God brings in your life. And one of the things you need to recognize here is that God has adequately supplied all of us with tremendous resources. He's adequately given us a measure of his truth and spiritual gifting and knowledge of his word and an outpouring provision of his spirit. He's placed all these things at our disposal. He's adequately given you unique personalities and traits to fulfill and invest in his business as he desires. And the real question before us is whether we're going to be faithful in what he's given to us. And we see here how God ultimately works with all of us. He gives a significant amount of gifts and resources from himself to all of his servants, but he does give less to some than others based upon their own physical and mental and temperamental abilities. But again, we'll be judged according to our faithfulness, to what was wisely given to us, not according to how much or how little we had to work with as compared to someone else. Can you relate to that? You see when a person's reading this passage and they're looking at the passage and they actually consider it it dawns on them, oh, this is talking about me. I fit in this category. Very easily I fit in this category. We all, we all do. Let's look at another point here. The second point here is that we see in this passage a proper attitude of industry is love and appreciation for the master. A proper attitude for industry is love and appreciation for the master. The amount gained by the first and second slave is not the issue that we're to focus upon. It's not whether he gained five or whether one person gained two. And it's not even the speed with which they both took up to take advantage of this bankroll from their master and put themselves into his business. We're told that there was a long delay before the master returned to settle the accounts. And this should tell us that God gives us a long time to prove our faithfulness to him. And a long time to correct ourselves if for some reason we get off to a slow start. 
Starting fast doesn't count unless you finish. Starting slow can be corrected. If you'll turn back and confess and engage yourself in His work, the delay offers grace to change our course. The delay also gives a test to see if we're going to stick to the business that we've been sent out to until the end, until He returns. So what seems to be the important thing here is to be faithful and to continue in what it is that the Lord has called us to and to continue to fulfill our duties in the industry of our Master until the time in which He comes. And the one thing that sustains us in all of that is a love for the Master and awareness of the grace that the Master has bestowed upon us and letting us participate in this work. And so when these two individuals return with what it is that they have received and what they've gained as a result of the talent or riches that God has put upon them, their master has given them, they speak to the master with joy. They say, Lord, you gave me five talents. Lord, you gave me two talents. Do you see the emphasis? It's on what God had provided and what God had delivered to them. And then when they report on what has been acquired since then, they do not actually say, I gained five more. That's how we have it in our translations because we don't know how to translate it. The word I there is an inference in the Greek. Actually, what it says is something like this. Here's five more. It's like they're in wonder that God had given them this great resource. And then they're further in a sense of all wonder that something has multiplied from it. They're not taking credit for it. They're not pounding their chest and saying, I've gained five more. I've done more work for you. There's an expression of wonder and awe at what God has produced from their life that God had somehow tended over the business they were carrying on for him and that God was blessing it and God was guarding it and God was keeping it and God was bringing forth the increase and Paul says that I planted and Apollos watered and what God gave the increase that's the attitude they have here that's the sense of wonder that they're expressing And by the way, that kind of attitude is an expression of love for the master and a sense of awe and wonder at what the master has given them. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. We have Paul speaking to Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy to continue to carry out the ministry that has been given to him by God to fulfill, you might say, to in fact, in verse 14, he says this, that good thing which was trusted to you or endowed to you keep by the holy spirit which dwells in you keep on keep pressing on keep administering keep putting forward what has been endowed to you it's really a picture of this parable there's been something that's been given to you a talents that have been put out to you rich talents that have been given to you by the lord continue in the tending to the business that god has called you to and his spirit will lead you in the flourishing in those things I'll go back to verse 8. Verse 8, Paul basically gives a bit of a survey of his own life. He says here, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Paul is writing in prison at this time. This is the last letter that Paul will write before his execution. But share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death 
and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Here, Paul is basically saying the assignment that we received is a gift from God. It's a gift to set forward to the world the salvation God planned in Jesus Christ before time began and has become realized in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say this, To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I suffered these things. Paul says, I've been attending to the business. I've been investing that which God has allotted to me. And it's not been easy. It's been difficult and it's been hard. And it's caused a great exertion on my part and a great effort on my part. And brought me to this place of imprisonment. But nevertheless, he says, I'm not ashamed For I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Now take your eyes and rest upon that phrase, what I have committed to him until that day. What I've committed to him. In English, we read that and we read that as a verb, but it's actually not a verb, it's a noun. It's peritheke. And it means a deposit, something entrusted. It's only used two other times in the New Testament. And one of them was just in the passage that we read in verse 14. That what was entrusted or endowed to Timothy, he is to keep and guard and administer by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this same passage, the Lord Jesus says, what has been entrusted, what has been deposited, the deposit of me, he says, my deposit. God is able to keep my deposit, he says, until that day. That's what Paul's saying here. And in light of what we've just read in verse 14, And in light of what Paul tells us about what God has entrusted him just prior to this verse, it would seem best to understand that what Paul is referring to here is what God has endowed or entrusted to him. It's not what Paul has entrusted to God. It's not the deposit Paul gave to God. It's the deposit or what God has entrusted to Paul. The ministry he's given him and the riches and the endowment that's been given to him that he's to carry out in serving the Lord Jesus. What God had deposited to Paul as a slave of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, God is able to keep and guard and preserve what he has entrusted to me. I may suffer imprisonment in the pursuit of my Lord's business. I may be put to death for proclaiming this gospel. But the talent God has placed in my hand for his service, I am confident God will keep. Lord, here's five more. You gave me five, here's five more. That's basically what he's saying. Paul is telling Timothy to continue to exercise the gifts laid upon him for the service of the Lord. He's saying, it won't be lost what you do for the Savior. It won't be squandered. So take the risk of entrepreneurial enterprise and press into the kingdom and into the business of your king. And he'll see that a benefit is drawn from your labors that will bring glory and honor to him. And all this, we have to see that's what motivates these servants, these slaves To tend to the business of their king is a great love for the master and a great amazement at what the master has entrusted to them. The resources of his own salvation that he's given to them to proclaim and offer to others. How wonderful is that? What motivation is that? Here's the third thing we can see here in this. There is reward for such faithful engagement in the Lord's business. There is reward to be received from such faithful engagement in the Lord's business. These servants have joy in presenting what God has done through them. 
They have joy in delivering up this miraculous multiplication of what God had deposited in their own lives. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, Paul speaks to the Thessalonians. These are those that he had led to Christ and that he had shepherded and that he had guided in their journey into faith. The very first letter probably that Paul ever wrote to those that he would reached out in mission work was the Thessalonians. And so it would be First and Second Thessalonians. And Paul writes to them and tells them, For what is our joy or joy or the crown of our rejoicing? Is it not you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are glory and our joy. He's saying, listen, it's you who have responded to this message that we've had the honor and privilege to bring to you through this, our labors and our work because God has given us this wonderful message and we've become debtors to you because of this and your response to Christ and your faithfulness to Him is our source of great joy in the presence of the Lord Jesus when He comes. That in itself is enough reward. Just the joy of coming before our Savior and Lord and saying, Lord, you gave me one talent. But look, there's been more that's been gained. I want to direct you now to a different website at the end of our broadcast than I usually do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 commands that the Christian test themselves to see if they're in the faith. In answer to this command, and with the desire to bring Christians into a sound and true assurance of saving faith, we've developed a website and a book for this purpose. Go to savingevangelicals.com and take the test and order the book by the same name, Saving Evangelicals. I can't think of a more important book for our day. Again, thanks for listening to The Bread of Life. Until the next time, may God bless you.